Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Drew Horning, and on this podcast, we catch up with graduates for conversations around how their internal work in the process is informing their life outside the process, how their spirit and how their love is living in the world around them, their everyday radius. Hi, my name is Drew Horning, and welcome to the Hoffman Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Heidi. Heidi, would you introduce yourself? Of course, of course. Thank you, Drew. My name is Heidi Kraling, and I am uh, a restaurant owner in San Anselmo, California. Uh, It's called Ensaladas, and I did the process, shocking to even hear that number, 20 years ago. In the wow. year 2000. And um, your restaurants have a special connection to the process. How long has that connection been alive? Yes. And, and you know, when I think about it, I don't even remember the day, the year we started. But I my guess it was 15 years ago, Ensaladas started doing the food for the process. And interestingly enough, I didn't even do the process at White Sulphur Springs. I did it in... Uh, you didn't? No, it was in Santa Cruz, in the mountains of Santa Cruz, like Ben Lomond, I think it was, or near Ben Lomond. So it's fascinating. You know, fast forward uh, 15 years, uh, I think we've been doing the food. Wow, 15 years. And, you know, as we were, we were, um, well, I, I want to get so much into food and symbolism and what that means to be a part of it. But I'm also, you know, right before we went on, you, you mentioned be gentle. What, what were you, what were you, what was the feeling underneath the request? Maybe it was, maybe it was because we're doing this at eight in the morning, right? Right. I've had the coffee and, and uh, I remember us chatting, I go, you know, my best time during the day is from nine to noon. I thought, well, wait, why did you schedule this at eight? (laughs) (laughs) My sharpest time, you know, but, uh, oh, well, you know, uh, I think what's fascinating is, is that uh, doing the process 20 years ago, um, and of course being involved as a restaurateur and a, you know, a supporter of Hoffman uh, through food and just, you know, being, you know, such a cheerleader of Hoffman. It's interesting to, you know, think about the process and how it has changed me and, and, and how I have sort of shifted and my DNA is certainly rewired. um, Mm. Because you notice, well, you know what I noticed is, is that I've had, my family go through the process. My kids both have gone through the process just recently. And I notice how they, they have shifted and, and it's more of a newer shift, right? They're, you know, right. they, they think about their patterns immediately, you know, if they're triggered. And I think that I, as I think back about the process, I feel as though um, what has happened in such a gift for me is that it happens more naturally. It, it's just, just you know, being triggered and being able to pause and reflect naturally um, has been been the, really the gift of 
having it done it so long ago. Yeah, it's almost like part of what you're saying is it you don't even think about it. It's not conscious. It just sort of lives inside you. The work it of really the process. Does. Yeah. It, it it's a it was been a, a major shift that has honed its and and sort of has you know um built upon itself, you know, into into a place where I feel my true self, my real true self. So do you as as uh, a family, four of you, uh, and all of you having done the process, I'm curious. Do you use the some of the language, the lingo, the jargon of the Hoffman process in your conversations as families or with one another? Uh, it's interesting that you ask that. Not so much uh, me, but my children do because they're sort of freshly graduated. Um, and I hear it from them. And um, I, I see that little twinkle in their eye when I, either we're in a conversation or there's something that is that sort of event that happens. I see, I can almost see their brains moving, you know, mm. and their hearts and, and emotional beings. And it's just like, I see it working. And it's subtle, Drew. It's very subtle. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah, that must be to see your kids grow up before your eyes into the beings that they are. That's a pretty cool thing. Mine are only 12 and 14 and yours are how old? Mine are 27 and 29. And what was really interesting, Drew, is I did the process when they were, I think, uh, six and eight or seven and nine. And and that's also what drew me to the process, having young children. And I had heard from graduates how powerful it would be to do the process when your kids are so young, to make mm-hmm. an impact on their lives through, you know, uh, really having, you know, managing your negative patterns so that you're not gifting them to them. <laughs> Right. Gifting in quotes, right? Right, exactly. Not the gift that you get. Return the gifts. So uh so that really was a powerful message to me uh to help me make the decision to do the process. So um in in, you own two restaurants, right? Ensaladas Mm -hmm. and Maranitas. Yes, yes. Wow. So I did one twenty-four years uh ensaladas. So I was uh, uh forty. My gosh, forty, and then uh, and and you know, with two young children, and then Marinitas um, was is I think twelve years old, something twelve, thirteen years old. Yeah, and and uh, imagine your day, the the business owner. You're it's pretty, you're pretty packed in terms of uh, the intensity of owning two restaurants. Well, boof, packed. That's a grand word. Um, yes, <laughs> packed. It is, and that's the kind of the way I've always run. I'm kind of hardwired to drive and and to. I love it. I love, and certainly the COVID has taught me many things about slowing down and mm. smelling the roses. But uh, restaurants are—that's you know—you're sort of as good as your last meal, and. You just pay attention to your last meal. And and I think that it's, you know, I picked a profession that is uh, uh, certainly requires a tremendous amount of energy. 
Um, but the cool thing about feeding people is it's, you know, it's such a gift to feed people. It, it, it uh, goes right to their soul, doesn't it? The food. It so does. And so interesting. When I was at the process 20 years ago, if someone was to say, what'd you love most about the process? I'd said, someone fed me three times uh, a day and I didn't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean. You know? uh, because, you know, you're doing this powerful work. And you, yeah. and, and there's not a lot of things to distract you except you working on yourself, right? Right. And, That's, it is one of the things I say to my, uh, my students is that uh, you don't have to do dishes this week. You don't have to cook this week. You don't have to worry about meals this week. You get to be taken care of. And I say, and I pause, the food is damn good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It really is an honor. It's an honor to be the food for people who are doing their deepest, hardest work. It really is. Yeah, such a such a healing thing to create knowing that the food is going to those people who are diving deep inward. Indeed, indeed. And food was such a powerful um, presence in my family. I, you know, grew up. Was it? Oh, grew up 100%. I am 100% Italian. Insalatas is my family name. And oh. yeah, it means salad in Italian. So it's, oh. you know, it's kind of perfect, meant to be. But we were the table, the dinner table in our orchard. And it was, it was our grounding. This is what we did. We cooked, we ate, we celebrated. It was in, you know, it was intense times because, you know, food is so much, it's so powerful and uh, so delightful and has, you know, uh, and it really was sort of my anchor in my whole life. It's always been that way. And my father was a tremendous uh, cook. He retired early and just spent 24 seven cooking. So food on in the table. In his retirement? He, he retired early. He was an he was an aeronautical engineer, so he's like a just a brilliant, brilliant man. But food was his passion. What and did so, he love to make? Oh gosh, you know, it's fascinating. I uh, owned a restaurant when I was right out of college. I was uh, hadn't even turned twenty two yet, and I owned uh, I bought a little restaurant up in Bass Lake called the Coffee Cup, and he came up and helped me in this little, little town for the summer. And, you know, he was making things like smoked pork butt with juniper berry cream sauce. I go, these guys want hamburgers, dad. Come on now. <laughs> no. Goes, no, 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 they're going to like it. I go, oh my God. So he was, he was a wizard. He was so talented that way. And so this was our connection. Food was our connection. Um, and uh, Beautiful. So it was. have you... Um, um, have they passed? Mm-hmm. And, and, and food up until their death was always a part of their experience and your family's experiences? It was everything, Drew. It was everything. It was really, uh, we would talk about lunch. Uh, we would eat lunch and talk about dinner. 
and what we were going to have and what we we're going to make. We pickled, we canned, we we did we did everything. You know, it was it was just it was it was truly amazing. When I even say these words right now, I just think what I realized and what I got out of it and what I have honed is that my family were in community service always, and it was always around often about around food and giving. And so that's was important in our family early on. And so what I was able to do with all of the shifting within Hoffman over these years is to not only create delicious food, but also, you know, really, really understand my true divine self is in service to the community with food and my gifts. Mm. And so it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, I've never even articulated it that way. Well, what's it like to say it out loud now? Well, without, without negative patterns and feeling like I, you know, certainly needed to prove myself that I was, you know, you know, way back then I was a good girl and I could do this and I'm, you know, I'm good at this and see me, see me. It's like, this is my, this is who I am and doing my best and, and feeding people with my gifts. That is, that is my true self. Mm. So it was really interesting to see how I grew up and how important it was, but take off all the negative patterns that were that, you know, certainly around a family and mothers and fathers were around that strip it all away because you were given those tools and see, you know, what, what is, you know, what is my calling? What is my divine self? What is, uh, you know, my best self? That's and beautiful. Truly, yeah. And you, you just recently won a community service award for the work you do. Is it at Lifehouse or just in general? Can you share a little bit about that well, service I piece? Yeah, that. Thank you for asking for that. Uh, yes, two years ago I got the uh, Jefferson Award, and that's from a CBS where it's for service. You know, it's for service, and really, it uh, it was in particular about my service with Extra Food. I am on the board of Extra Food, and Extra Food is an organization who uh, uh, brings food to the most vulnerable, whether it is uh, overages from stores and and uh, uh, catering events and what have you to extra gleaning extra uh, vegetables from the farmer's market and for prepared meals. And I've been doing prepared meals for extra food every week for the last maybe five years. But the most interesting thing for COVID during COVID is because my restaurants were dark, you know, we couldn't be opened. Mm. Uh, what we decided to do is that, you know what, what we can do safely and, you know, following all sanitation practices, we, with a very small group have been and still are uh, making 150 community meals for those in need. In our every community. week? Every day. Every day? 150 every day. meals a day. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And we're still, we're in our, uh, I, I pledged two months and we're in, I think uh, the sixth week, sixth week starts on Monday. So and it feels so good. So I mean, this during these times, it's it's uh, it's tough. It's tough. So. Yeah. So the the 
the role of service um, is, is sounds like it's part of your DNA, both from way back, but also from now and to do it from uh, a spirit led place rather than a pattern driven place of being a good girl and trying to prove yourself. That was part of what the process gave you. It sounds like. That is like perfectly said, teacher. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Certainly. And I don't even think about, I don't really even, that's what I, it's so fascinating uh-huh. to, to speak it because it's what it is. Yeah. But to speak, as you say it and repeat it back, it's like, amen. Amen. Yeah. You know that um, it's, it's interesting, Heidi, because you're such, it sounds like you're, we've never met, but I feel you're, your capacity to create and do and bring energy to things and reflection has value, but you're only putting words to it now and getting clarity around it. It's so, so innate in you. It sounds like. Well, I'm, I'm not without my flaws, but you could keep, you could keep <laughs> saying wonderful things about me, but you, you know, it, uh, it's, you know, you, as you know, um, it is a daily practice and um, it really is, but it certainly fills me uh, being in service to others. It fills me and it is a, a great joy and particularly through food because food is, you know, everybody understands food. Everybody loves food, most everybody. So it is, and certainly to give to those who are really vulnerable uh, during these times and always, but certainly this many meals during this time, it's, it's an honor. I'm just yeah. honored. I am. It Have keeps you, me from having a pity party. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. It, you know, um, it's it. Part of what the work of the process is is getting in touch with our essence and our spirit, and and going uh, selfish in a way, filling our own cup. But it can't just stop there. We've got to actually give it away and let that cup overflow. And that's, that's part of what you're doing is the, the service and staying connected to others. So Heidi, do you, I imagine you've had people who have employees who've gone through the process. Can you share a little bit about how, like at work, the Hoffman process is a part of, of your culture, even though it's about food? Oh, sure. Um, I've had many cooks and chefs and managers go through and it what what such a gift because what I have found particularly with the young ones um and I think you know if I had gone through the process when I was in my late 20s rather than my 40s I just think wow I mean that's I just think that you know to be able Mm -hmm. to to really kind of harness uh, the process and all of its gifts and tools early, I think it's, it's amazing. So what, what was really important to me, Drew, was doing the cooking and the managing of Hoffman. I wanted the, the chefs to really get the connection because we do a lot of the base cooking at ensaladas and then we we deliver it and then we have chefs there who who you know in a state of readiness whatever it is finish it and you know rather than have a disconnect i wanted them to go through the process and understand 
first for me, you know, it was my, maybe my selfishness, what the, what food meant, meant to people up there, you know, that they're cooking for people who are doing tremendous work. And then as they went through and did that work, they see, you know, our gift ensaladas of being able to do this food for folks and then to take tools and really sort of be better leaders, truly be better leaders, have more compassion because, you know, you were in front of the public, you know, 24 seven. And uh, certainly for my son, who is a manager uh, at Ensaladas, I think that, you know, certainly being young, I think it's really difficult to be in front of, of guests all the time. And particularly because food is so emotional to people yeah. as a diner that, you know, to really have to be his, you know, very best self in, in controlling people who are not having uh, a great day and taken out on servers or whoever. So, you know, I think that they've gotten a lot of tools to, uh, to be really great leaders, uh, not only for customers, but for fellow managers and employees. It's, I see it. I see it firsthand. Yeah. So, so there it's, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I'm always struck by the nature of the frenetic uh, movement behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and the composure and warmth to the public as they come in. Is that part of what happens at your restaurants? That's a lot of composure. It's a, it's, you know, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balance. I, what chefs love, particularly chefs who have a lot of energy, is we love that dance. We love the dance of being in sync quickly and putting out perfect food. And then as a, you know, as a, as a floor manager of, you know, all of that orchestration of, you know, timely matter, perfect service, beautiful hospitality, and no hiccups, that's a grand night. And it's done at warp speed, at warp speed. Um, I think that I have blessed my son with that uh, intense amount of of energy. But, you know, it's really the key is is being able, you know, to keep it in balance. Right. And I think that's the tools of Hoffman that come into play that I see that, you know, is so cool. What is, uh, what's one of, has been your most popular dishes through the years? Mm. Well, you know, we, <laughs> this is a very, this is very funny. We call ensaladas the house of pita and we call maranitas the house of tortilla chips, you know, the house of tacos, house of pita. So we are a Mediterranean restaurant and we, we sell two things in the most immense amount for people to not have the fatouche salad. It's a Syrian, it's like a Greek salad. If if people wanted the immediate connection, but you know, toasted pita, romaine, cucumber, tomato, feta cheese, mint, cilantro, red onion, cherry, tomato, that, well, that's, I think I I can tell you what day it happens, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but that, and hummus, we just we we make so much hummus. It's kooky, and uh, you know it's you know we we 
you know, it's like if we if we're down to a bucket, we start trembling. It's like, oh my gosh, we have to make several more buckets. So, you know, truly, that's the simplest of things is you know certainly our dips and our our fatouche because they we also have takeout at ensaladas, and so a lot of that. That's all we're doing. We just reopened ensaladas, but only in our takeout department. So uh, people were very excited to see those things back in their lives, in their daily lives. You know, oh, as you as you describe that, my mouth is watering because I was like waiting for you to add the olives as you were describing that salad. And, <laughs> you know, you, you feed the teachers too, obviously, you know that. Mm-hmm. And that warms our spirits and supports us in that journey. And the visceral experience of the crunchy romaine with the smooth, creamy hummus, that contrast... Listen to you. You could be uh, a food critic. <laughs> I want my mind and heart are wandering back to White Sulphur Springs, where I haven't been I for a while now. Because I know it's something, isn't it? I can't wait for it to start again. I really for for everyone for everyone. People ask, do you choose the food based on what's happening during the process? Do you select the meals, having gone through the process, based on what students are experiencing? What they're experiencing. Well, we, we, we kind of do uh, the, the art, the arch is, you know, is seasonal. It's, it's seasonal. And, you know, with California, you know, things are just popping into season all the time. And because we do so much, you know, we do a lot of fruit and we do a lot of veggies, you know, that is certainly important. What has happened certainly over the last 15 years is there's a lot of uh, dietary requests. So More and you know, more, I imagine. That, that's been amazing. It's been really, it's been amazing to watch that unfold. So, you know, we, we kind of do the dance. We do the dance of, you know, seasonality, dietary, you know, issues. Because so, we want to make sure that we really, everyone gets to, you know, taste everything and then there and that the vegetarians you know everybody gets to share in it so we really kind of do that dance but you know what what we love is is that you know there's new teachers every you know every not not teachers well new teachers also but new students every single time who've never had that food so a lot of it it's greatest hits you know it's greatest hits um, and then and then moving into seasonality also so um that's that's fun that's very fun yeah What's it like to um, have this conversation talking about your food and your service and your family and your father and that early pork butt that he would make? I would shoot up a very crazy. I say that as as, a, as lovingly because I just, as a 22-year-old kid, looking at my dad saying, really, we can't serve this. He goes, oh, they're going to love it. And they did. They did. Okay. <laughs> it brings me big, it brings me joy. It does because I have not been able to, you know, uh, jump back in full force at Ensaladas. So just having you connect me again to uh, what I love doing and restaurants and Hoffman work is, you filled me up early this morning, Drew. (laughs) Coffee and convo. (laughs) Not breakfast, but boy, I feel filled. (laughs) Does Does the chef and owner of two restaurants cook at home? Um. Well, that's a loaded question, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's really interesting. And my 
kids would hate when I said this because when busy, 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 when we were kids were growing up in two restaurants and they go, oh, ensaladas again, you know, or right. so I had to open another restaurant. So there was, you know, other choices, but, um, that, but we, I do cook more now, certainly as, uh, we've had a lot more time on our hands and I just, we just finished literally a month ago, a renovation of a, our, my 90 year old house and we've been in it for 30 years. So I have a new kitchen, which really just totally excites me. So that that's fun. very fun. So I do, I'd love to cook and really what it is love to cook for my family, my, my family, the Insulata's family. Absolutely. But my own family, that that's, that's my favorite thing. Do they ever, um, so your, your son is going into the, business and your daughter is a teacher? Yes, she is. She, um, she teaches, uh, next year she's going to be teaching high school history. And, um, yes. And she's just very, very excited. She's my, my husband was a history teacher, um, uh, uh. for 25 years. So they're, it's so interesting, you know, uh, my daughter's doing my husband's work and my son's doing my work. So it's, it's cool. Very What's cool. that like? So good at it. Yeah. What's that like to share? I mean, working with your son, uh, you talked about working with your dad and now you're sharing the business and passing it on to him and training him. I imagine that's both beautiful and challenging. You, you, you said it perfectly. I think that um, you have to have uh, to be in the restaurant business. You have to have uh, the desire you know, for service to be in service, but, uh, you also, it's pretty relentless. And so, uh, you know, I think that it's hard to own a successful restaurant without putting a lot of energy and time. And so, you know, that's a delicate ba- balance and that's what, cause you know, he loves music. Music is his real, mm. real and so you know it's learning how to have both and I think that's what he's trying to do and uh, I want to support that in any way because you know that you know, there is it, sometimes the work can be soul crushing you know because it is so relentless so you got to stay true with why you're in it and and uh, continue your other joys like music right and you've been able to you know just recently I was listening to the story of the um restaurant closing in New York city and mm. the, the owner woman talking about the challenge and the thin margins and the stress and the hours. And, and you, you've been able to, to um, sort of survive this time of, of not being open and no business coming in. Well, you know, Gabrielle Hamilton, that was the most powerful article. I had to read it twice, Drew, because it shook me to my core. Because it was as if I was writing this on many levels. But, you know, we have a, her restaurant is so, so small. And the smaller the restaurant, basically, you know, Uh, less the revenue and the smaller the margins. And so, you know, we, you know, we are a bigger restaurant and, um, Interesting, a bigger restaurant in a small community. You know, she's in a big, giant city in a, in, with and a small, small restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, but but um, we have been able to, and I think because 
we're in a unique situation because we have different revenue centers. Um, you know, in other words, you know, we have the restaurant, we have takeout, uh, we do delivery, we do, you know, the food for Hoffman. So, you know, we're, we're a little more diverse and, um, but it's a dance, it's a dance. And I think that what we, that the unknown drew of how restaurants will look in three months, six months, a year is, uh, it's challenging. It's very challenging. That's Uh, a big unknown. That unknown is a lot to navigate, isn't it? Are you peeking into my soul? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about like my life, and I I don't have the the business on 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 the line here. It's just mm-hmm. I, see, I see it in everybody. Like who? Where's the toolkit for navigating unknown? I think that you need to find that. <laughs> For us, <laughs> you and know that. Spread it. Yes, you. It's really. Um, it, it, I will not say that it hasn't been challenging. It has been the. I said I have never in my life had so many things come at me that have that are absolutely so new and so different and so serious and decisions to be made. Certainly for employees and customers health and safety right Mm -hmm. but also their livelihoods and you know you know working and making an income and you know it is um it is really it has been a challenging time but you know it's really about pausing and you can do what you can do and try to continue to do your best and that's what i really hooked up into making 150 meals for those in need it's like i know i can do that i know i can do that so I'm going to sit with that right now. And that and becomes an out, outlet for your energy in this moment, in this time. This is what you can focus on. Yes. It's, that was the thread. It was like, I can do this. And then we just opened takeout after seven weeks. And, Have you uh, had customers clamoring for your takeout? They're so great. Yes. They're, I am bowing to them. They're bowing to me. It's like, yay. You know, it's a little bit. It's It's just a little bit of our business, but... It's it's awesome. It uh, <clears throat> it's satisfying, and I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. Have you Our had um, are awesome? Have you had customers and employees who have you've known? I imagine for decades who've mm-hmm. been uh, a part of the restaurant. Oh, I, I have I have employees that have been there since we've opened 24 years. I have I have it's so cool, Drew. Customers that have been coming since we opened, have had their kids come in and work. We've married, we have married some, you know, that is really a cool, you know, the weaving of that fabric of family and food in our community. I dig that. I dig it. I do. You you are uh, deeply connected to the fabric of your community there, Heidi. Uh, And they, you know, I love them and they, they support us, Drew. Wow. Wow. They really do. They they have come out. They have they and you know we did a we did a big GoFundMe and uh, because we wanted to support particularly our undocumented workers who uh, are really struggling. And we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is what we did. We we um, you know we set up this GoFundMe. We said this is going to be for two things and two things only. 
you know, uh, the, the food for these community meals and for the, the our workers. Because I couldn't just ask, please help our workers. You know, we really wanted to give. We wanted to give a back if, you know, certainly they're going to give to us. And so the outpouring of of money and love and comments and commitment you want to know even in these uncertain times that you're just it felt like you're you know been thrown off your pins that grounding has been the gift of life it really has gosh listen to that <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's so cool it's been like you know, first you're like, what the heck is going on, COVID? And then figuring out what can you do? And then having do- people just pour out their love and attention for you. My cup is full to the brim and flowing over. So mm. it, um, it has been great. Maybe those are the two, two of the parts that go into the toolkit of dealing with the unknown is w- what is happening and step two is, what can I do? Of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. Heidi, I'm and grateful I, and for I think this. Everyone feels, a lot of people feel that way, Drew. They feel, you know, uh, you know, it's like I said, I had a pity party for 48 hours. And I said, I, this isn't working. And so uh, <laughs> I know. And I think, I think many feel this way. And I think you see it all over the world. People uh, doing what they can in small and big ways is very, very comforting. It is the, um, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but but I hear it in your words over and over again. And that is that, yes, we have to go inward uh, to seek answers and understand what's happening inside of us in our quadrinity. And there comes a time when we need to go outward and not make it about us and make it about service and others. Amen. Amen. It's so true. Um, and, and, and particularly in these kind of difficult, difficult times. And um, I think that having the quadrinity uh, process and the tools um, certainly makes it easier to get there. Heidi. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Great Saturday morning conversation. Thank you. For, oh, it's been so fun. It has been fun. What's on what's on your docket for the rest of the day? Well, this is what's so cool that uh I you know, I've never celebrated much of a mother's day because you know, we would jump out of, you know, we would jump out of bed at five in the morning and do a, a brunch for 450 people. And I mean, that's not happening tomorrow. So, uh, uh, though, though, there will be work tomorrow, but it's my kids are both going to spend the day with me, which I really drew. It just doesn't generally happen because what Saturday before mother's day was I not working like a crazy beast? So this is kind of fun. So you we're going to get your first Mother's camp. Day in decades. I know it's true. These are these are same, same with Easter. Same thing happened at Easter. I go when when have I ever been 
you know, home and it's just wild. So it's, it's, I'm so excited to have them all to myself. And I say, I say to them two days of the year, it's all about me, Mother's Day and my birthday. (laughs) So, so they, uh, they're going to, we're going to have some fun. We're going to go hike and, and enjoy some food and, and stay safe. Yes. Stay safe. Well, I, I would, uh, I'm giving you a socially distance high five and hug, Heidi. Thank you for oh, your time with us. I hope you feel the same. My hug and my, and my high five. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> your pleasure to talk to. It was great talking with you, Heidi. And, and I imagine you'll be hopefully doing the food for decades to come. It, it's one of those things that feels so right. Feels so right. Such a good match. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Ras Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.